Hey marketers, if you want to get the latest news, trends, and insights in marketing, advertising, and tech, check out the Adweek Podcast Network. Learn from leading voices across media and marketing with original shows like Yeah, That's Probably an Ad, Marketing Vanguard, and Tech Magic with Kathy Hackle. Start listening now by searching Adweek wherever you listen to podcasts. My dad works in B2B marketing. He came by my school for career day and said he was a big ROAS man. Then he told everyone how much he loved calculating his return on ad spend. My friends still laugh at me to this day. Not everyone gets B2B, but with LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people who do. Get $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash generate to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash generate. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You're listening to Yeah, That's Probably an Ad. This is the Adweek Podcast where we talk about marketing, media, technology, pop culture, because in the end, everything is an ad. I'm David Greiner. I'm the international editor with Adweek. And with me, as always, is Shannon Miller, the creative and inclusion editor here at Adweek. Shannon, how are you doing? I am fantastic. How are you? It's a milestone. It's a milestone week. Big day. milestone episode. We have officially recorded 250 episodes of this podcast. Um, I meant to look up when we started. I legit do not remember. It's been years. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I've been here since the beginning. I haven't been on every episode, but I've, I've been on most. Uh, we've done quite a few bonus episodes, so I don't know what the, the real number is, probably closer to like uh, 275 or something. But it's uh, it's the 250th official episode. So, hey, congrats, Shannon. Thank you. I'm really um, excited and very honored to have been on the three episodes of the 250 that have <laughs> aired since. <laughs> you have been on, even before you came on full time. You That's were a, true. Uh, That's one true. of our favorites to have on when you were a friend of a friend of Adweek, and now Aww. now you work here. No friends. <laughs> <laughs> bitter rivals. Bitter, bitter, creative rivals. <laughs> just, just succession level fighting for. <laughs> for <laughs> influence every day um so uh we wanted to celebrate our 250th official episode uh by uh, i mean we thought about doing a bunch of different stuff like usually we take questions uh or you know have people call in or whatever and we are welcome to you you know send us your questions we'll take them anytime uh podcast at adweek.com but uh but instead we decided just 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 have fun with it and uh Mm -hmm. take a break from news and from other stuff and we're going to play impossible ad trivia uh lane cue us up i don't know some impossible ad trivia sounding game show music and now it's time for impossible ad trivia all right all right and and joining us for this uh impossible ad trivia contest we've got al manorino senior podcast producer at adweek the producer of this very show once again moving from the other side of the microphone to be with us al how you doing i'm great i unlike shannon have only been on twice now um (laughs) i'm very excited to be here to celebrate 250 episodes congratulations guys it's a a great milestone but also um i mean i'm just happy for the both of you it's just all downhill from here now oh, that you're 100%. on. Yes. Uh, so welcome to the 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 collapse era of the the. Uh, now, Al, uh, what is your advertising background? Like, what what would you say before we go into this contest? Uh, not that it's a contest, because these are impossible questions. Obviously, none of us are going to get them right. Uh, what what did you say? What, how would you describe your knowledge level of advertising? Oh, moderately terrible. 
why do you work here? Hey. On me. In all inclusive workplace, me. accepting all ranges of knowledge. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, no, so... Um, I do. We, I have not. None of us know each other's questions. We will be asking. We'll be leaving a little pause. We'll be having a little discussion after we ask the question, uh, so that you, the the listener, can um, can decide if you know or I don't know. You can Google it for some smug satisfaction of beating us to the answer. None of us are going to be googling. We're all going to be admitting our. Uh, but it, it's the goal is not to stump each other. The goal is simply to learn some fun random stuff without knowing what we're going to get into. So with that. Here we go. Let's uh, let's start with the first. We will each rotate, so we'll ask one question each, and we each have three questions, and uh, that'll be the game. So uh, let's uh, Lane spin the wheel for us, and let's see where it lands. Uh, it landed on Shannon. Shannon, you uh, <laughs> you you were first. Tell us your first impossible advertising trivia question. Really, really glad I'm going first. Um, so this will be impossible for some, probably not for granted. This is actually probably the easiest of my three. So in 2019, a French clothing brand told one of the most compelling stories in advertising with a cinematic spot about a fighting couple in the short film. The couple is seen having an explosive argument until the apartment complex literally begins to crumble and split in two with their rage. What was the name of the brand, the name of the campaign, and the creative agency that collaborated on the project? I'll let Al go first. My God, okay. Um, The name of the brand or company, um, Baguette. Uh, Let's see. Did you just say Baguette? Did you just go with the first French word that came to mind? The name of the campaign. Um, uh, I I guess it sucks. Everything is crumbling. Broken bread. Broken bread. The baguette Uh, fashion story. And and, uh, yeah, no, I have have no answers for this one. That's a good one, Shannon. That's a stumper. Um. Yeah. I, I'm only going to get partial credit on this one. Um, it is Lacoste. Right. Is the fashion brand. The agency, I believe, is uh, BETC Paris. Mm-hmm. Uh, the name, I will say, like, I am terrible about it. Lacoste, tremendous history of really wonderful uh, cinematic spots. And I do get them mixed up. Um, was it called, like, the, it's not called like the fight or the breakup. It's uh, no, like the I don't know the split. Uh, no. Of all of the the details, this is going to be the most perplexing because there are no context clues for this whatsoever. It was called Crocodile Inside. <laughs> You're correct. Yes, yeah, I think that was the campaign name, and they just called this the film, the Crocodile Inside film. You're right. Uh, yeah, it was. Um, it was a Grand Prix winner um, this year at Cannes. It was kind of like a dark horse because, in terms of the time span, I think when we were doing our predictions, at least for me, I definitely forgot that it would have it, it would have included 2019 work. Um, yeah. Sort of the 
sort of pandemic casualty. So it, it won this year and I was very excited. And I chose this one um, because this was one of the two ads that made me really, really fall in love with advertising. Um, the other one being the Shiseido's um, The Party Bus that was released in 2018. Oh yeah, gorgeous one. Which is one of just top five favorite ads of all time. So um, yeah, I figured this one would be pretty easy um, because we just were immersed in can what feels like two days ago, but was actually a few months ago. Um, but I am going to give Al three points for baguette. Um, style points. <laughs> three style points. Three Just tried your on best, his feet. <laughs> three tried your best points. Um, yeah, I think he earned those. That's a, you know, but that's a, a good, uh, Shannon brought up a good question though. And I want to hear Griner's response. What was the ad that got you into advertising, Griner? Or, or at least like you, you, you know more the ad I, I will say the ad I think about a lot, and I think people make fun of it now, and people made fun of it then. Uh, I was a child of the '80s. '80s TV advertising was extremely experimental. It was a super fun time, even if I had no idea what was happening in the ads. Um, I loved the Egoist uh, perfume ad. It was just a bunch of women yelling Egoist out the window, uh, which I assume is a French word for like egotistical. Um, and here we will we'll drop in the audio here of what what the ad sounded like just so y'all can know what I'm talking about. For a man. Chanel for a man. Um, it's not to say that it's like the best ad ever. I just remember being like. I don't know what's happening here, and that's kind of cool, right? Like mm-hmm. every other ad, every other '80s ad, just just not only spoon fed you, it like held your mouth open and just like like you were a a pate goose, you know, it just like shoved everything right <laughs> into you. And then this one was just you're just like, what is happening? Am I watching art? You know, like there's a lot of art in '80s ads, mm-hmm. um, like those white white chocolate ads that st- it stole from a uh, uh, Maxfield Parish paintings, I think, but like. There were these really beautiful, like, cinematic stuff, like se- the self indulgence of advertising in the 80s, the sheer amount of cocaine being done <laughs> to, to come up with these ends. Uh, I think that's what just made me always love it. Um, and then I think I really got into it because an ad agency was willing to hire me when I was unemployed, and that made me love advertising. <laughs> so I love go. that. Um, let's see. Uh, I, uh, I'll, uh, the, the wheel is not spinning, but I'll say it's fun to me. And I will I will ask my first question here. What year? The uh, prices uh, prices right rules are going to be in effect here. It's closest without going over. What year was the first U.S. ad agency founded? And there's a little debate, but I'm going to say the full first like full service like straight up legit ad agency. What year? So. Oh, no. I'll start. Start with Shannon since Al had to go first last time. That's true. Closest without going over. And I feel so like you can just say like one BC, and then if Al goes too far, <laughs> you win. Totally I, fair. I feel like we had a conversation about this. So are we just saying full service agency or like first creative agency? I mean, they did, they did it all. I will I will say I don't think this is a hint. Uh, the only probably agency you could name uh, in advance of this one was really more of a media buying. Mm. Like they weren't, they did not make and, you know, produce ads. Uh, this is the first one in America 
that did. Oh man! Yeah, and I don't. I don't even want the name. The the name. I'm sure some folks listening know that is severe bonus points if you know the name. I'm just just the year. I, I'm, you know, I'll just toss out 1962. Uh, wow, I was gonna uh, go. I was gonna go way earlier, but now I'm thinking that it should be that. Um, um, I will. I don't. I don't know if we would go tell you if you're right or wrong in order, but I will say, Al, why don't you try going way earlier? <laughs> uh, 1928. 1928? Yeah. I don't know why. Uh, I'm afraid no one goes home with the deluxe vacation package oh. from Advertising Prices, right? Because the answer was 1869. Get out. Wow. What could they have even done? What could they have they even were, done back then? <laughs> they were selling opium to children. <laughs> Sleep aids. Um, Francis Ayer, uh, I believe that's right. I've never actually heard it said out loud, but I believe it's Francis Ayer, A-Y-E-R, uh, founded N.W. Ayer & Son uh, in Philadelphia, and uh, they banged around a long time, like a very mm. long time. Uh, they closed in 2002 uh, after being purchased by Publicis, uh, the holding company based in France. And they just closed their offices in 2002. So oh, wow. NWA and Son in Philly, they were around a very long time. Uh, I think a lot of people... This is where I think I told you all before we started recording, I actually had the wrong answer. I thought it was J. Walter Thompson. Mm -hmm. um, and turns out J. Walter Thompson himself had worked for that media agency, that the, the media buying one that came before. It was like 1864. And so he started, like, I think the first successful, like, super well-known agency in JWT, which also does not exist anymore, but at least still kind of does. It is now Wonderman Thompson. So, That's all right. a good one. Al, hit us with an impossible trivia question. Okay, so I have another history one. Um, and this is more half-assed internet research than it is a trivia question. So uh, take that how you will. <laughs> In what year was the contemporary definition of marketing written into dictionaries? I will. I will start with... Griner, because give Shannon. Did, did Merriam-Webster tweet about it? Is that a hint? You can tell me. Did they tweet? Uh, we've added this year. We've added marketing <laughs> to the dictionary because <laughs> you tw you Twitter losers wouldn't shut up about it. <laughs> um, I'm gonna say we've added we've added marketing and crypto. You're welcome. <laughs> Man, I, I'm gonna. Um, my patron saint Jess Ferris is going to be disappointed. Our our word our word history guru oh, because I, I, I do I don't even know where to begin. I'm going to say, um, 1780. Uh, okay, Shannon, <laughs> that year spooked me because I was definitely going to go into like the 1900s, and I've learned. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say, like. 1898. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Shannon, you were one year off. <laughs> oh my God. What? Oh, no. I, so, okay. I wish people could have seen, like, because we don't record the video for this, like, like Shannon was clutching her chest, holding a hand out in front of her, like the pose of this, I'm about to channel the divine and answer this like some sort of D&D &D cleric. <laughs> So the, the contemporary definition of marketing as a process of moving goods 
from producer to consumer with an emphasis on sales and advertising first appeared in dictionaries in 1897. Oh my God. Shannon, go play the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to like go out into the streets and just really reevaluate my life because of this one. (laughs) I mean, I don't like that Al's implying it was a random guess. No, no. That I was mean, I think we're downplaying her ex- her just extensive knowledge of the history of marketing, and that's called friendship because right. <laughs> just um, mind blank just vibes on that one. Can, can, can we can we just celebrate the fact that there was a solid three decades where ad agencies existed, but marketing did, did not. <laughs> <laughs> that must have been the most serene 30 years. Yeah. They'd like, be like, no clients. <laughs> they'd be like, no... so what do you do for a living? I, I don't know the word for it. <laughs> the, the word does not exist. <laughs> That's amazing. So like, oh, do you make ads? Well, I wouldn't say that we just do advertising. <laughs> All right. Shannon, uh, what is your second impossible trivia question? I'm loving this, by the way. This is the most fun I've had in weeks. Um, I just want to let you know I'm retiring on top. I'm not getting better yeah. than that. <laughs> You're like, got to go. Oh. oh, yeah, like 50 points to Gryffindor, by the way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, so this one is, <laughs> now that I'm hearing your, your questions, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know how hard these are. So Brad Pitt <laughs> recently starred in an ad for DeLonghi, a, which was a notable move um, for a famously rare endorser. Um, he recently cl- closed a design deal with the most recent brand that he endorsed prior to DeLonghi. What's the name of the brand slash designer? And we will start with Griner this time, since Alice was the person on my team. Like, I can, I can picture it. Um, I'm going to say Coach. Okay. Al... I'm going to say mostly because I don't think I can say it correctly and I like saying it. Is it Isan Moron? <laughs> They're going to be like, Hermes. <laughs> oh, um, both of you are incorrect. Mm, and I, impossible. I, I have a feeling that I'm going to mispronounce this. So I'm going to spell it first and then okay. I'm going to give my try. The, de- the designer's name is B-R-I-O-N-I. So is it Brioni? Is it Brioni or... We're not going to correct you. Brioche? <laughs> Al just defaults to breads. I'm finding <laughs> a running room. theme. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm starting a bread like, podcast. Like, this is, is just a backdoor sour, pilot. Sourdough? <laughs> sourdough. <laughs> <laughs> we... we so I'm going to go ahead and say it's Brioni is okay. the name of the brand that was the most recent. Um, he, he debuted his relationship with the brand on a 2020 red carpet. And this year, I think it was as recent as August, he developed his first design deal with the brand. So now you can buy, I mean, you, as in those who can't afford to do so, sure. can buy um, the a a suit from the BP signature line. So yeah, he's famously not one of, he's like pretty much not online. I think he just, he doesn't have much of a digital footprint at all. So he doesn't get to like hawk tees and, and um, 
things like the rest of us peons he only does like the high-end stuff so i thought that was pretty yeah I, I feel like it's like if i see an ad for a watch i just assume i will never afford that watch <laughs> yes. right like not that i wear a watch but if, if you're advertising a watch i assume the starting price is like five thousand dollars you know pretty much yeah and same same with the same with coffee makers i don't think i'm gonna be able to cop it to long you know, th- I, I will say the i I've, i keep thinking about that ad mm-hmm. um and what I like about it is that you, you, and this was the whole point of the ad, uh, was that you use your own coffee, right? The ad is him mm-hmm. going to a cafe on his motorcycle, picking up the beans and making his own coffee. I hate goddamn pods. I hate pods. Yeah. Like I, I use them when I have to. I don't mind espresso because they're a little easier to uh, recycle. But like, you know, I, so I like the idea. Then I think you and I both, Shannon, when that ad came out, we're like, oh, I wonder how much. Oh, oh. <laughs> oh, I will yeah. not be getting. Because I was like, you know, I don't have any Christmas idea. Oh. No, no, not gonna... no. We can look at it in a window and it's fine. But my my spouse works at a nonprofit. I will not be asking for a Delonghi espresso machine. Another fun fact: uh, um, this ad did spark a debate between myself and Griner as to whether or not Brad Pitt actually grinds his own beans and makes his coffee. I say, I absolutely not. <laughs> that she thinks he's got like a dude who just stands there grinding coffee and handing it to him. Got, he's got one guy with like very few responsibilities and one of them is making the coffee when he poured the, the beans and the thing he looked very unsure um <laughs> and they kind of like bounce everywhere which i think is yeah. just the product design but he's just like cavalierly dumping it in there like, that's, a, that's a man who does have someone to clean up his coffee mess i just don't think he if you don't think that brad pitt has his own personal barista you're fooling yourself i, I do, no, i do, i don't i i like I have no idea. I have no no like transparency into the the lives of celebrities, but I'm always surprised on like there's that episode of Succession where he's like, "Oh, I let my staff off for the holiday," and then he calls one of his staffers and they're like, "I thought you let him off." He's like, "Well, we're down to a skeleton crew," <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, how many people are in like the non skeleton crew of one apartment? Like staffing <laughs> one, one apartment, moderately sized apartment? Yeah, but uh, yeah. So maybe, maybe." Um, all right. I think it's my, uh, me. Yeah. I think it's me. Uh, okay. James Patterson is arguably the most famous of many, of many, many ex advertising people, retired advertising people. Uh, advertising tends to generate a lot of, uh, writers and minor celebrities and major celebrities. James Patterson is probably the best known in terms of the success of his post advertising life. He became an author. Um, he has written more than 200 books after retiring from J. Walter Thompson. What was his first book? I mean, you might not be able to name any James Patterson books, but what was James? I said, this is impossible trivia. Um, Al, what? What was James Patterson's first book? Um, The Scandalous Lawyer. I don't uh, know, man. I mean, it probably was Pro- about that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, yeah, I don't I know. I bet it was about an ad man solving murders <laughs> or something. <laughs> like, and just like randomly being seduced by gorgeous spies or whatever. Shannon, what you, just what would you call your first book if you were James Patterson? <laughs> Uh, he wrote it. I can give you several hints. I don't think they'll help you with the name. Uh, it was published in 1976. And it was uh, rejected by 31 publishers before it finally found a home. Incredible. What would you call it, Shannon? What was the... No, I'm going to go ahead and say True Lies. 
It was not. Um, I had never heard of this one. Um, the Thomas Berryman number. What? Okay. Wait. So the Thomas, that's a terrible name. <laughs> the Thomas Berryman number um, is still to this day, apparently by such aficionados, considered one of his best. Uh, it was the winner of the Edgar Award from the Mystery Writers of America as an Edgar Allan Poe. Uh, and it sold whew, almost 10,000 copies. So, (laughs) like, I think he sells that in, you know, like, the time it takes to, uh, to hiccup these days. But, like, um, yeah, I mean, Patterson, like, he's got a line of children's books. I don't think he writes anything these days. But, you know, Mm -hmm. he's one of those, like, James Patterson, and then in small print, like, and the person who wrote it. (laughs) And then he's, he's got, like, a whole, a whole line of, uh, of kids' books, uh, and I, I should have looked this up beforehand. Like my kids have read several of them. Um, I want to. I want to say um, he's he's got one about like a kid who like, goes through some pretty serious trauma and copes with it through comedy. And it's like it's like a cartoon book. And I was like, whoa! I was not expecting some heavy. So yeah, James Patterson's still banging them out. All right, that was it. Yeah, they, these were supposed to be impossible. I I'm sh- standing by that. I so. should have said threat level midnight for all the audience. <laughs> <That was again. laughs> <laughs> what, what's the one in in We Bear Bears? They make like a they make a great terrible oh. action movie. Oh, um, I don't remember. I, I just remember Pando is his like idiot sidekick. Um, Should I be showing my son that? Is it too early? Uh, what's we the, Bear what's Bears the, is great. What's the age gap for that? How old your kid? He's turning three next month. Oh, I mean, he, it probably won't mean anything to a three-year-old, but like, yeah, sure. like, enjoy I watch himself. it with my kids. There's nothing like vulgar. No, it. I didn't think that. I just want to know if he can understand it. Mm, eh, it's, it's, it's early. It's one of those like every voice is a famous celebrity and like the writing's better than it should be, you know, that kind of a thing. But uh, but we'll save that for the the Wee Bear Bears uh, trivia episode. Uh, Al, Al, hit us with a, an impossible trivia question. Okay, so I feel like uh, Griner's going to get this instantly, so I want Shannon to answer first. Okay, um, thank you. Okay. Who was the first celebrity to play Colonel Sanders in a KFC spot? We've had a, a zillion and a half cur- uh, Colonel Sanders over the years, especially in recent years. Uh, everyone from... Uh, actually, I don't want to give anyone, anyone away, so we could talk about that in a second. But Shannon, who was the first celebrity to play the colonel. Ah, crap. Last name Hammond. Ah, you got it. So I guess that wasn't super impossible. But again, there have been like 20 celebrities or so that have, uh, but but yeah, it is uh, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond. Hammond. Uh, Fun fact, he was the first, and I believe now he's the current. I think he was brought back pretty recently. Um, Maybe current-ish is is the, the tough word. But again, these are, Usually half-assed. Um, and I know uh, Mario Lopez. Mario Lopez played him in like a uh, like a Lifetime movie too, which was really interesting. The one um, true colonel. The one <laughs> Mario, Mario Lopez. True colonel. Does everyone? Uh, well, since since uh, Griner didn't get to uh, answer, Griner, do you have a favorite colonel of the celebrities who played him? Uh I went back and revisited the Norm Macdonald. I wasn't a big Norm Macdonald fan, but when he passed away, I went back and revisited those. It was pretty good. Um, I'm going to say Reba McIntyre is my favorite. It's a good one. So um, out on the field, too. Yeah, Perfect. and uh, 
So if if you are intrigued by this topic, you can check out on adweek.com. I wrote a roundup of the history of widening Kennedy's time with uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. They just uh, they just uh, basically I don't know if I can say lost the account, but the account went under review and widening Kennedy withdrew from it. Uh, they've had a, the account for. Not not a whole long time, like six years. Uh, but in that time, like that that brand was failing uh, when they came on board. Like no one no one was mm-hmm. even aware. No offense to the previous agencies, it's just that was a brand that was rudderless. Yeah, and and they were scared of their own name. Uh, they stopped calling themselves Kentucky Fried Chicken, and just said KFC because they thought people wanted like healthier stuff. And then the I think Wyden their biggest success is not so much the Colonels is just convincing them, uh, you know, don't be afraid of fried chicken. People love fried chicken. And like that's what they kept telling me when I was interviewing about the work. They're like, everyone loves fried chicken. There's yeah. no reason to like be be upset about it. And um, and then the uh, you know the kernels was just about kind of going back to your roots and knowing that that's your that's your big thing that you've got. There is you know there is no Popeye. Uh, like Popeyes is named after a film character and not the cartoon sailor is mm-hmm. named after Popeye Doyle from the French Connection. That's a dumb brand <laughs> origin story. Like that's profoundly dumb. Uh, Colonel Sanders, you know, not that his name's in there, but like, that's, that's a cool story. The, the man shot a dude over an ad. Like he got in a shootout over an ad and won, like didn't put the guy in the ground, but like won the shootout. Like Sanders is fascinating (laughs) character. And when Papa John Shatter or whatever, like got in trouble for, for using the N word, he tried to say, oh, that's nothing new. You know, Colonel Sanders used to use it. And Sanders' family came out. They're like, he did not. <laughs> Don't you dare. I just like how he tries to pick, like, the oldest white guy he can think of in advertising. And that guy's oldest family's dead like, white uh, guy. Yeah, can't, they're like, defend yeah, can't, can't defend himself. And the family came out. They're like, he actually, uh, and I don't know. I don't know, like, but it's uh, supposedly, according to his family, he was he was quite supportive of uh, black communities. And anyway, but uh, all right, good one. I liked it. Amazing. Okay, it's back to Shannon. Back Last Shannon. round. Round three. Stakes are high. All right. This is, again, I clearly all due to my personal taste. So a series of ads for a legacy coffee brand recently gained um, a modern day following after going viral, I believe it was this year, So created by Jim Henson, the multi-year campaign starred two opposing characters who violently disagreed over the brand. What was the name of the coffee, the years that the campaign was active, and the name of the names of the two main characters? God. This is like an essay test. Like, <laughs> you, using citing three of the works that you read this semester. <laughs> you told me a, impossible. This is a question on a test that I would look at, and not know the answer, and say, "I'll go back to it." Just pull the fire alarm, and then I write baguette, and then just <laughs> hand it in. Uh, uh, okay, who's, who do you want to tra- attempt this? <laughs> Nonsense. <laughs> so easy. Look at these parts of it. <laughs> oh, Al, Al, give it a shot, please. I'm very excited to hear your answer. Well, you said Jim Henson. Are Muppins involved? I, I can say if it's Jim Henson, you can safely bet that there is a, a puppet like um, presence involved. <laughs> um, 
uh was it Walder and Stanhope? What's what is the, the the characters in the that are always yelling at people? <laughs> That's your guess. <laughs> like the the grumpy old dudes. The grumpy the old guys. Um <laughs> Folgers. And it ran for a year. Those are my three guesses. <laughs> That's I went back at the end of the test and I'm like, I gotta hand something in. <laughs> Grinder. Right, should I answer or do you want to say if you got it right? Because that'll really help me out. <laughs> I will say none of that was correct, but I do think that you did bring about a compelling pitch for Folgers. Um, so if that does come about, yeah. they need to cut you a check. Cause actually I would very much like to see a Folgers ad with those two guys. Same. <laughs> They're old I enough to know, enjoy Folgers. I do know these ads. Um, they came up. Yeah. Some, some, yeah, they, I guess, was it TikTokers? I remember they came up recently. Yeah. Um, hmm. I want to say I did not know the coffee brand, um, mm. but since I, I mean, it's like, I don't think it's eight o'clock. I don't think it's uh, chock full of nuts, like all those weird old, I'll say, I mean, go Maxwell House. I'm, uh, I don't think it's right, but like, it's the only other coffee brand I can think of. What were the rest? Like, what were the names of the characters? No idea. I remember they were like murdering each other. Yes. That's all I remember. <laughs> they were just blatantly committing murder in black and white. Um, and what was the, what was the third part? The <laughs> year span. Uh, like, I'm gonna say 19. I'm gonna say 1961 to 1963. Close. You are close on the year, Sand. So the name of the coffee was Wilkins. I have never heard anyone drink Wilkins. I have never heard anyone say it's their favorite coffee, but it was Wilkins. The name. There's some hipster hipster right now in Williamsburg who's just like <laughs> got this like I only drink Wilkins. <laughs> I'm getting a scathing email as we speak. <laughs> I got it. I got it out of a nuclear bomb shelter. It's <laughs> all I've been drinking. I'm, I wanted to try Wilkins because of this ad campaign. Because if anyone has seen this ad campaign, it is the most like it is the wildest, most like. I don't even understand like what's going on. The two characters, by the way, are named Wilkins and Wontkins. Ah, oh, man. So, sounds like something I would make up. <laughs> Last minute. It's like, oh, it's Shannon and Shan off. <laughs> Shan on and Shan off. <laughs> and now I want to know what Shan off looks like. I'm very, <laughs> very, very curious. So Wil- Wilkins is obviously the huge like Wilkins advocate and Wilkins refuses to drink any of this coffee. And every time Wilkins is like, have a cup of Wilkins coffee, Wilkins is like, absolutely not. And then a series of violent things happen. Either he is shot point blank in the head. That was a popular one. Um, or his house was blown up by a cannon. Um, one time he was just kicked out of a tree. It is my favorite run of ads. And the span on that is from 1957 to 1961. Mm-hmm. So you got one of the years correct. So I'm going to just go ahead and say that entire question is right, bang. obviously. Jim Henson banging out ads in the late 50s. That's, that's amazing. It's my like favorite thing. It's easily my favorite ad because for a while it was rumored or maybe it's true that the incredibly violent one was a prototype for what we now know as Kermit the Frog. 
Um, obviously, things have changed between that time and the Kermit we know singing on logs, logs um, about the rainbow connection and making TikToks about how we should be kind to each other and ourselves. Um, so if that's true. After you, after you kill enough other Muppets, <laughs> you you get a perspective on life. You mellow out. You just, yeah, he's like Yoda. He just killed so many people, he's got to go sit in a swamp for a few decades. <laughs> Think about it. Dark, dark past. It's But yeah, it's like one of the funny (laughs) one of the funniest run of ads and it um popped up i think it was this february on twitter um someone was like what is happening here like they found a reel and it was like all over the place so i I think it's fascinating it's a fascinating bit of advertising and also a really fascinating bit of like pop culture in general and that's why we all drink wilkins to this day (laughs) obviously it worked because wilkins is now engraved into (laughs) pop culture he was well-known and well-beloved. Do you drink Wilkins coffee? No. Oh, things just seem to happen to people who don't drink Wilkins. All right. That was a good one. That was really good. <laughs> and uh, that's like the worst kind of question for me is like where I know it, but I don't know it. And that's like most of your questions have been like that where I'm just like, oh, it's like right at the edge. Yeah. Um, I figure like, like Grinder's going to get all of these. It's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of surprised. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, this is one I think we've actually asked on this podcast before. Maybe even we've certainly uh, featured it in trivia on our site. The Can Lions International Festival of Creativity is is arguably like the biggest advertising event of the year. Dates back quite a ways, uh, many decades, and has gone through a lot of changes. Where was the first Can Lions held? Um. Uh... I'll just, I'll say, Shannon, where was the first can lions held? Obviously, it was Birmingham, Alabama. Man, that sure would make my travel easier. <laughs> they were like, it's the can of the South <laughs> of America. That's my guess. That's your guess? <laughs> At least guess like Birmingham, England or something. <laughs> it was it was in Europe. <laughs> definitely in Europe. Well, so um Paris. It, it was in Paris, surely. Okay, good guess, good guess. Not the correct guess, but Al? The uh, swamps of Dagobah. <laughs> uh no, I uh I mean Amsterdam? I don't know. Trying to think of something different. I mean, you know, in the big scheme of things, that's a pretty good guess. Uh, it is Venice. Oh, it was not originally. It was not originally called Can Lions, as that's you funny. can guess. Um, in fact, uh, and again, apologies for the the real trivia dorks of Can Lions, because this is one of those things everyone trots out that Can Lions wasn't always held in Can. In fact, it was not held in Can consistently until 1984. And it was founded in 1954. That means for 30 years, it banged around to different cities, including Cannes, but certainly not limited to it. So the first one was in Venice. Uh, and the Lions, the trophies, uh, the, the famed Cannes Lions, is named after the Lion of Piazza San Marcos in Venice. And so that is the... Um, and the, the, I think the Lion of St. Mark is one of their big prizes that they still give out for a lifetime achievement. I think that's also... I may be getting that one wrong, but I think that's also there. So the festival went from Venice to Monte Carlo, 
in its second year. It's the third year was in Cannes, and then it just started rotating between Venice and Cannes until they finally locked it in. That must have – I mean, I guess, like, it's not we, – we we do that with some of our stuff, like, rotate yeah. between a few different cities. But, like, um, yeah, so Cannes Lions was not always Cannes. And, and a lot of people wondered when it went virtual for two years in a row, like, would they just kind of give up the Cannes part and just become this virtual? But I think they're still they're still trying to go all in on Cannes if they can. Yeah. Mm. So there you go. All right, Al, bring us home. Last question of the impossible ad trivia. Yeah, so informing these outside of the uh, the marketing definition one, I had to go back to my roots of uh, things I care about, sports, uh, celebrities, and this is kind of uh, a little bit of both here. So in a commercial during Super Bowl Four, Chicago Bears linebacker Dick Butkus endorse this brand with the tagline because plugging holes is my business i'm gonna start with shannon please tell me it's rogaine please tell me it's rogaine it's a great guess oh it's a great guess plugging holes. oh it's a great guess it is not rogaine Oh, damn it. Um, so this was in the 70s. Let's just throw that out there. Super Bowl four, obviously. It's it's old. I don't know if Rogaine existed then. But Probably not. Did, good on Rogaine. Um, Griner. Jeez. Plug <laughs> Man, I mean, good on him. Like, you know, just putting pegging out there before it was a mainstream <laughs> thing. Um, hmm. Jeez. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I'm guessing it's some sort of like uh, hardware store, um, you know, patch patch stuff, uh, like caulk or whatever. Um, duh. But I, I'm good for the life of me, don't know any brand names in that space. Uh, let's say, um, yeah, I don't know. Was it for a caulk brand? Uh, was he was he plugging holes with caulk? Oh, <laughs> I guess another great guess. Sure. Um, it was actually for the antifreeze company Pressstone. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So there you go. Impossible trivia for you. But the reason I brought it up in the first place is the ad marked the first highly successful celebrity endorsement in a Super Bowl advertising. Man, take that, Mean Joe Green. That's right. That was um, that was in the eighties. That was a little later. Yeah. Yeah. And um, now the 250th episode of Yeah, That's Probably an Ad will go down in history as the first to talk about pegging. So <laughs> thank you, Griner. I, I don't know. I don't know. We've had a lot of episodes. Um, the, oh, my God. We have, not, we have not used the explicit tag on this podcast in a very long time. <laughs> I don't know, don't know if we're going to start now. So. Um, <laughs> Well, this has been an absolute treat. Uh, it's I will just say quickly, reflecting on 250 episodes. Um, for one, I just if you're listening to this, and especially if you've been listening for a while or whatever, if you found it somewhat recently, uh, it means a lot to us. This podcast is mm-hmm. uh, is is honestly just a straight up labor of love. It's something we we did. We created this podcast not for any sort of like strategic money making reason. Um, we created it because. The best part of working at Adweek for me has always been, and especially now, is that I'm surrounded by geniuses, right? I'm surrounded by people who are incredibly uh, knowledgeable of, like, uh, usually of a very specific topic, right? Mm -hmm. And they 
they're so fascinating to talk to, but we don't really get a chance to just chat with each other. And we, you know, I read all their stories, but we don't get a chance to just sit down and be like, tell me about what's happening in streaming, Kelsey Sutton, you know, tell me about what's happening in, you know, in programmatic or in commerce. And, uh, This podcast was created to do that. And so I think a lot of like PR people have wondered like, hey, will you interview our CEO? And I'm like, no, (laughs) because that's not why this exists. We're here because I just madly love and respect and admire uh, all my colleagues here at Adweek. And I've just always wanted to find a good platform to introduce them to more people and to share their genius. Um, And that is certainly true of you too. Um, And Shannon, it's been such a joy having you on as co-host. And I'm I'm sure we're going to have a wonderful 250 more episodes together, but uh, it's, it's been great. So big thanks to everybody. And hey, if you've also been enjoying this, uh, please leave us a review because that's one of those things people just stopped doing a few years ago. Like everyone just stopped leaving reviews. I will say Apple does not make it easy. Like they, they make it un, uh, like painful it to leave a review, but they still put a lot of weight by it. So um, yeah, just uh, leave a review. We've been kind of at the same level for a while. Great reviews. Love them. Uh, but it'd be nice to get a few fresh ones in there. So if you're somewhat new to the show or you just never got around to writing one, that would mean a lot to us. So And, uh, and put it wherever, wherever you're listening to those podcasts. So with that, Al, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Yeah, now get back Al. behind the mic. Get back in your cage. You're not <laughs> I can't believe you brought me on two episodes in a row. What's the matter talking. with you? You're welcome. Anytime, Al. Thank you. You're muted. Muted for the rest. Oh, no. For the next 250. All right. Uh, well, that's it. That's it for us. Our theme music is by Home. This week's episode is produced by Al Manorino and edited by Lane McGibney. Uh, as I mentioned, please give us a review uh, if you have not already. Uh, and um, you can email us anytime at podcast.adweek.com. That's podcast at adweek.com. For Adweek, I'm David Greiner, and we will be back next week. 